So uh, a couple years ago, I used to live in Las Vegas. And in our house there, we had this kitchen that looked over into the living room, except for one point in the kitchen. Um, And then it was all surrounded by windows. And so it always starts out that I'm sitting around the kitchen table and I'm laughing with my dad and I'm chatting with my whole family. We're eating dinner and I slowly begin to look around and I get very anxious. It's sort of this tense feeling where it's like a tightness in my chest, but I can't explain why because it's something I've done a million times before. And so I go continue with the meal and we just continue having a regular family dinner when I notice that my parents and my glasses are empty. So I dutifully grab everyone's glasses and go into the kitchen to refill them. For some reason, this always takes me a long time to do. I sort of sit there and ponder what to get and can't decide and I still have this anxious feeling so I feel like I'm doing something wrong and then I turn around to go back into the living room and that's when I see that my entirely my entire family has been murdered and then I have uh I feel something cold press up against my neck and someone whispers in my ear haha it changes it's haha or you're next, or it really depends on, I don't know what it depends on, but it's changed a lot over the years, and then that's usually when I wake up. The period in my life where I lived in Las Vegas and what living there was like for me was a pretty intense period, especially at first. Uh, Up until the point that I moved there, I had lived in the same house for almost my entire life since I was two, so essentially my entire life, and had always gone to the same school with the same 10 peers, and nothing had really changed, which was something that I always kind of disliked. Like, I looked forward to change and challenges, so I was excited, but it was like a nervous excitement when we moved there. Um, The house in Las Vegas was very different from my house back in London where I lived before I moved there. It was grand and you walked in and there was like a 40 foot ceiling and it was just like windows were everywhere and it was very open concept. We had like two islands which seems ridiculous to me still but it never like it always felt like home because I was with my parents but it never felt like like the cozy feeling when you're at home during fall in Canada, like it always sort of felt a bit like it wasn't my home, like it because it always felt temporary. The feeling that I had when I was at the table and I have all of a sudden got really anxious, I could like the pit in your stomach or like the tightness in your chest analogies really like how I feel about like how I felt in that moment in my dream, and it was like. Something was really wrong, and it was somehow my fault, but I could never figure out why. It was sort of just, like, this feeling of, like, like gut-wrenching guilt. So the only thing that I can think of that's ever inspired, not even, not even really guilt, but sort of, like, a survivor's guilt, is when I was 10 months old, or I guess I was 8 months old when this started, I had a pyloric stenosis, which is basically where your intestines are tied in a knot and you can't digest any food. And I had to go to the hospital to get it fixed. Like I had a surgery 
At the same time as this was happening, my older sister, her name's Hannah, actually was going through treatment for brain tumor. And so it happened where I recovered very close to the time where she passed away. And so it's always been sort of this feeling that I had to live my life a little bit more thoroughly to make up for the fact that she had not gotten to live her life. For a long time, I found that I felt kind of like guilty for wasting opportunities because of this. Like if I didn't do as well as I could at school or if I didn't do everything that I had the opportunity to do, I felt guilty or if I didn't do it as well as I know I could do it. And it was like I felt this pressure to live up to this person who didn't exist It's definitely something that comes completely from me. I think that I could have done just about anything with my life, and as long as I was a good person, my parents would have been happy. They just, they always talk about it, how um, after my sister passed away, it was a very dark time period in their life. And so they talked about how having a baby who was so cheerful, and like apparently I was a very easy baby, having me around actually made it a little bit more bearable and made their lives a little happier. And so I think that it definitely is something that I sort of created and put on myself. And I think it probably has to do a lot with like self-esteem issues and sort of having these questions of like, why do some people die and other people not? So when my parents talk about her last days, uh, because at the time when she passed away, I was actually only 10 months old. They they did everything. They're like, we aren't going to waste another minute worrying about what's going to happen in five years. And we're going to worry about what we can do right now to make her happy and to make her life full. And so I think that's one attitude that's sort of come out of this is that I don't like to wait to do things. I'm like, if I can do this awesome opportunity right now, there's no way I'm waiting a year to do it. And I think the other thing in terms of like integrating that into my life, for a long time, I didn't really get it because I was only 10 months old when she passed away. So it wasn't like a, it was just this foreign thing. It had happened, but sort of outside of my purview, like it it wasn't part of my memories. And so it was always just a sad memory, but I couldn't really like connect with it. And I think that when I started to get older, I realized that like the descriptions of my sister I began to see in my mom and dad and in myself and they'd talk about like personality traits that were shared and so she sort of throughout time became more and more of a person that I could imagine and so I think uh, that especially going through my later teenage years I really started to not like pray to her but almost like talk to her as like a guidance because I didn't have that older sister figure in my life so it was sort of uh I'd think through things and sort of not come up with what she would have said in response but sort of thought about what she would say in my opinion based off this person I'd created and it was sort of this way to have a conversation with her so I think those are like the two main things that I've done to sort of integrate the loss into my life I think for me the like the thing that I still struggle with the most and I've never really come to terms with is this idea of a predetermined plan or like everything is happens because it should happen. And
And so that's sort of in relation to my sister. It's always like she was such a light in everyone's life who talks to me about her. And she was so happy and just like so sweet. And so it's just always been hard for me to understand why she got taken away from us. And so it's sort of been this thing where it doesn't happen a lot or as much as it used to anymore, but I just sort of get this feeling of like almost anger and frustration that this had to have had to have happened. And I just, yeah. So I think that that might be, cause I had a day like that a couple of days before I had this dream again. Um, so I think that that might be one of the things that causes it to linger, but I'm not sure. Dream Logic is made by me, Elias Campbell, and Sean Sutherland, with producer Victoria Hoare. Original score in this episode by Andy Trithart. Cover art by Stephen McLaughlin. Special thanks to this week's guest, Jessica. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DreamLogicShow. If you have a dream you'd like to share, email us at dreamlogicpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Even if you don't want to be a guest on the show, please reach out. If you want to support the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review, and share the show with a friend. You can make a donation via our website, dreamlogicpodcast.com, which will help us continue to make the show. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more. Uh, We've got seven more episodes coming this season, which we're really, really excited about, so we look forward to getting those out to you.